when I was thinking about this sermon this morning, um, a song came to mind, and most of you would have recognized it as soon as I started playing it. Um, there we goes. Y'all know what that is? What's it called? I can't get no satisfaction, okay, by the Rolling Stones. Um, that was going to be the intro coming out on stage. Oh, we'll work it out next service, okay? No problem. Okay, thank you. That was good. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk about so much in our... That was kind of a theme song for the Baby Boomer generation. I can't get no satisfaction to Rolling Stones. Uh, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, that whole group. Uh, interesting, this week I was reading that Keith Richards has written a new book called Life. I'm going like, man, I'm going to go out and get that book. <laughs> Not really. Uh, but uh, one of the problems so often we have is we, we look for satisfaction in all the wrong places. We, we continue the series this week uh, called The Pursuit of Happiness. And as we look at it, we've been talking about the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are attitudes, inner attitudes that God says that, that really help us to understand where true happiness comes from. And so this week we're in uh, the next, the very next verse is, is verse six in Matthew chapter five, and you can either turn your turn to your in your Bibles to that, or you can uh, turn to your outline, or you can look on the screen. One of the one of those three options this morning to look at some of the things that are going on here this morning. Some of the verses I will refer to are on the outline as well. I won't have them on the screen, so you might want to take that as well. Um, it's interesting um, that in Matthew 5, 6, and reading it in different translations, in the Phillips translation, it says this, Happy are those who, hungry, who are hungry and thirsty for true goodness, for they will be fully satisfied. In the Good News translation, it says this, Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires, and God will satisfy them fully. In America, we really seem to not really understand about hunger. When we're talking about hunger, being hungry and thirsting, we think of being hungry as having a Big Mac attack. You know, that's what we understand. Being thirsty is Miller time. Um, it, we, we, we think that's what it means. Mother Teresa, though, said in India that people are starving physically, but in America, people are starving spiritually and emotionally. Because we use phrases often in our world like, uh, my life is empty, I'm bored, I'm restless, something seems to be missing in my life, there seems to be more than this. Uh, you hear those, those phrases all the time. Um, but even when things are going good, there seems to be some kind of, when success seems to be in our life so often, we still have this emptiness in life and we don't understand what's happening in our life. And the reason is because the Bible says uh, that we're looking in the wrong place. Because the Bible says, in a, in a real sense, that we look in places that fa satisfaction will not be guaranteed. Uh, God says, you know, you will be fully satisfied if you hunger and thirst after true goodness, after righteousness. If you hunger and thirst, uh, who's great, your greatest desire is to do what God requires. That is where real happiness comes from. And we're going to talk about that today. I want to give you quickly three things the, the world, we as people in this world, seek and because we believe this is going to bring us happiness. First of all, we think that uh, we'll find lasting happiness and pleasure. So often we think that, you know, lasting happiness comes in pleasure. Um, if I could just take a cruise, if I could uh, retire in luxury, if I could travel the world, I'd be happy. You know what the Bible says about that? It says this, no matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are never content. That's what the Bible says about this whole thing of pleasure. You know, most ads on television appeal to what? They appeal to this hunger for happiness that we have in our life. It doesn't get any better than this. I mean, how many of you remember those commercials? And, and you talk about all these different things. How many of you have ever had a late-night refrigerator raid? 
late-night refrigerator raid. You get up. Why do you do that? Because you wake up and you're what? You're hungry. But you go to the refrigerator, and what happens is sometimes you look in there and you're poking in there, and there's nothing that seems to really draw your attention. You're going like, I'm hungry, but there's nothing in there. So you maybe snack on something, you really, you get something, and you go back to bed, and guess what? You're still hungry. It doesn't satisfy that hunger, that, does, that whatever's going on in your life. And most people, or many people, are that way in life. The point is that they'll try almost anything to try to fill up their hunger. Pleasure is, is one of those things. But the Bible says this, you know, when pleasure is that and when it's a sin, he says the pleasures of sin, the pleasures of sin last a short time. It does say that in life that, that, that sin sometimes can be pleasurable. It can give us happiness, but it's a short-term fix to the problem that we have that's much deeper than that. So sometimes we try to find lasting satisfaction in pleasure. A second area we try to find lasting satisfaction is, is in performance. We try to find it in performance. I think we're really good at this in America. We're really good at this thing about performance. You know, workaholics eventually learn that you don't find satisfaction in, in performance. I love this verse. It says this in Scripture. What does a man get out of all of his hard work? Days full of sorrow and grief and restless nights. You work for something with all of your skill, and then you have to leave it all to someone who hasn't had to work for it at all. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> you know? It's saying you work all your life, and you leave it to someone who has to do anything for it at all. And so what are you, you know, what's the big deal? Does that performance, does performance bring you lasting satisfaction? Does it, does it help you to really be, uh, uh, and, and really feel good in life? There's this myth that we have in our culture that success uh, produces satisfaction. But I can tell you by experiencing life and by, and by talking to people and seeing people around that success does not produce lasting satisfaction in life. One of my favorite authors for, for po- folks who are business people who are going through this, I, I find so many people who are getting in their 40s and are starting to ask the question is, you know, I've, I've been, especially ones who've been really successful, and they're asking, is this all there is? There's a guy named Bob Buford who wrote a book called Halftime. And halftime talks about this thing about him, and he, he's a Christian, and he was hugely successful, made his millions before he was 40 years old. And then he began to ask the question, you know, is success in life going to really bring me satisfaction? And he said, it doesn't really bring me satisfaction. So he started transitioning. He's, he says this, he says, you know, the first half of his life was about success. The second half he wants to be about, about significance, doing something significant for God. If you've never read that, guys, I would challenge you to do that. It's a great book called Halftime. Bob Buford's the author, and he really does a great job of, uh, of talking about that whole transition of how to rethink the things that the culture has made us uh, think about. I love this verse in Scripture as well. It says, man is always working, never satisfied. And so one of the things we have to understand is that performance doesn't give us lasting satisfaction either. Neither does pleasure. The third thing that so often we try to find lasting satisfaction is, is in possessions. In possessions. Uh, today, did you know that there's more, there's more than twice as many, maybe three times more products now available on shel- shelves of stores than there were just 10 years ago? It's, it's multiplying at a rapid rate. If you look back 30, 30 years, you go to the grocery store, you may have two or three or four options. Now you have hundreds of options. They don't even carry all the options that are out there. Now let me ask you a question. If stuff, possessions, would make you happy, are people more happy today because they have more stuff to pursue? Do you think people are twice as happy today as they were 10 years ago? 
because there's more stuff out there to look after, to go after in life? Well, the, the reality is not. It's not true. I love Ecclesiastes 5.10. It says this, He who loves money will never have enough. It's foolishness to think of wealth, to think that wealth brings happiness. You know, I've heard poor people say this, when I get enough money, then all my problems will be solved. You know, the one thing I know that a lot of rich people will tell them is this, is that, hey, no, it doesn't. You still have problems when you're rich. It doesn't solve the issues of life, and it doesn't bring you lasting satisfaction with any of these things. Pleasure, performance, or possession. So what does? What does bring us? Um, what's the secret of satisfaction? What is, what is Jesus talking about here when he says this? When we hunger and thirst for righteousness, or we hunger and thirst for true goodness, or our greatest desires to do what God requires, then we'll be fully satisfied. What is he saying there to us? And that's what I want to flesh out today because it's very important for us to understand. It kind of builds upon the things we've been talking about for the last three weeks. Uh, and I'll refer to those in just a moment. But in Psalm 37.4, I believe that's a verse that really tells us the key in a real sense of the secret of satisfaction. It says this, Seek your happiness in the Lord. Seek your happiness in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Seek your happiness in your Lord. Happiness is a byproduct. Real, true, inner peace is a byproduct of seeking God. It never comes by seeking after pleasure, possessions, or or performance. It never comes that way. Because if you make happiness your goal in life, you're going to miss it. You're not going to have it because you're seeking after the wrong thing. Because usually God is the last place we look. Everybody tries everything else. I cannot tell you how many times over the years that I've sat in my office and people have come to me. They've come to Great Oaks and they've been seeking after something and they're looking for something. They don't know what it is. And they think it's happiness or success or something. And they come to me and they say, well, I've tried this and this and this and this and this and this. Well, and I finally decided to try God. But the issue is, is that the Bible says to us clearly that real satisfaction comes in seeking after, seeking after God. So how do you experience real satisfaction in life? What does it mean to seek after God? First of all, number one is I have to recognize my real hunger. I have to recognize my real hunger. You know, uh, the Bible says that there's something missing in our lives, and a lot of people don't know what they want in life. And the Bible says we are spiritual beings. We're not just physical beings. We're spiritual beings. And God made us to love Him and to know Him and to be loved by Him. And when we don't have that component in our life, it's kind of empty. You know, how many of you know what empty calories mean? Empty calories? You know what empty calories are? Anybody here know that, heard that phrase before? Empty calories? Well, if you don't, you need to be aware of what they are. Empty calories means food that has, that has, uh, food that has, uh, 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 what's the good term for it? It's, it's, it's food that's not nutritionally very good for you, okay? It may, it may, you may be satisfied short term, but it didn't, has no, let me give you a list of some of the foods that are, that are uh, empty calories. French fries, fried chicken, chips, deep fried foods, probably everything. These are, these are empty calories. Candy, pop, soda pop, other sweetened foods, beer, wine, uh, alcoholic beverages, refined grains such as crackers, cookies, white rice, and white bread. Let's give you a few things that are pretty much empty. It's like, you might as well eat cardboard. You get about the same nutritional benefit from those as you do from, from cardboard, 
eating those same things. Now, cardboard may not taste as well, but the issue is in life is we have, we fill up our life so often with empty calories. I remember back when I was uh, younger, uh, I had this soda fixation. I didn't really understand what the deal was. Now I understand there's a physiological thing that goes along with it. But uh, the interesting thing was is that when I was in, in high school, uh, what I used to do on uh, Saturdays, every Saturday when it was nice weather, we had a basketball court down the street, an outdoor basketball court, full court, paved, everything like that, down the street from our house. And a bunch of us guys would hang out down at the basketball court we're all day on Saturday. That's what we did. We didn't stay on computers. We, didn't do, we, we were active. We were playing. So we played basketball, and we just kept on and out. And so it would be a hot day, and there was this little, little store down the street from there. And every, day, every Saturday, what we would do is we'd go down to that store after about playing for two hours, and every one of us, just about every one of us, would go down and buy uh, soft drinks. Now, that, that was before the two-liter jobs, okay? What they had back then was like the 16-ounce, you know, they, we called them crown I don't know what that is. It's kind of a cola, you know. Anyway, colas. It was like a cola, 16 ounce. But we wouldn't buy one because we knew that the one would not satisfy our desires. What it would do is we'd buy, each one of us would buy a whole six or eight pack just for me. And during the day, I would drink one and then another and then another and then another. I could never get filled. I could never get, you know, I was still thirsty after every one. And I couldn't understand why. I mean, I'm drinking like crazy these soft drinks, but you know, physiologically, what it is because it's empty calories, actually the sugar in there makes you want more. It doesn't satisfy your thirst. I don't drink colas anymore. I don't drink soft drinks anymore because it doesn't satisfy my thirst. I drink water. Some of you, if you've been to the restaurant, may think I'm cheap because I always order water. And probably the people at the restaurant think I'm cheap too because I'm wanting, no, I order water because water satisfies your thirst. But there's this thing in our life so often we fill our life up with these empty calories, this stuff that's, that, that, that doesn't really satisfy our hunger. It, it may, you know, we think it does, and in our mind we think it does, but it really doesn't work. And we have to understand, we have to recognize what our real hunger is. And so often in life, God has given us a hunger for himself. Deuteronomy 8.3, I love this verse. It's just a great description of how God does this. It says, it's, remember, going back, it's going back in the Old Testament and the people of Israel. And, and this is Deuteronomy 8.3. It says, God humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. He did this to help you realize that life comes by obeying every command of God. The story here, remember the children of Israel? They were going out into the desert. You saw the movie, right? You know, and, and what happens? Charlton Heston leads them across the Red Sea, through the desert, and then... Well, actually, he was Moses. But, you know, he does, he does that, and he, leads, he does all this, and he leads them across all this stuff. And while they're across there, they're getting hungry, getting hungry, getting hungry. They're complaining, complaining, complaining. And then God gives them manna. And the question is, the people are going, why didn't you do this earlier? We were hungry. But God says this. He says, God humbled you. He says, God, he says, God let them get hungry. God let them get hungry for a purpose. It wasn't just, it was part of God's plan. Part of, part of God's plan for you and for me is that he lets us get hungry. He wants us to realize there's this void in our life that has to be filled by God, and God's the only thing that will fill that void. And that's what it says he did for the people. Because God uses, he allows things to come in our life. You think, you know, some of us think when we become, you know, a believer, that God's kind of like this eternal bellhop, that every time you have a problem, he comes and fixes it for you. 
But one of the things the Bible tells us clearly is that God allows problems into your life so that you can learn to hunger and thirst after him. He says, God let them get hungry. Then call what it says. Then he says this, God humbled you. Humbled. Remember what the first, three weeks ago, the, the very first beatitude was? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Remember what that was all about? Poor in spirit means somebody who's humble. Last week, Chris talked about another beatitude. Blessed are the meek. Meek is power restrained. It's so somebody who's humble. There's a, big, there's a big deal here. And until we're humble and realize that we can't do it on our own, God will never, will never have our hunger satisfied. You see, hungry people are humble, humble people. And hunger is painful, but it motivates. If you've got a problem, congratulations. You're exactly where God needs you right now. So the first thing is we have to recognize our hunger. God has given us this shape, this, this, this void in our life that, that only he can satisfy. Recognize where your hunger is, what your real hunger is. Number two, if, if you're going to really seek, have satisfaction, is stop eating junk food. Let's use an eating parable today, okay? Stop eating junk food. First, recognize what your hunger is and stop eating junk food. Stop eating spiritual junk food, should I say. Quit looking for things in life that don't satisfy, that don't meet the need. Isaiah 55, 2 says this, Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? He's saying quit wasting your time and your resources on things that the world says that will satisfy but really don't. There's a lot of spiritual junk food out there. And do you know the difference between being filled and being satisfied? We have to understand the difference between that. And let me tell you something else. Our appetites are influenced by our associations. Our, let me say it again. Our appetites are influenced by our associations. See, if you hang out with people whose appetites are for the world's junk food, guess what you're going you're to want? You're going to want the same thing they do. It's kind of like you've been in a room. If I, did it, I wish I could do it, but I can't do it. Uh, and and you, somebody yawns. What happens? Everybody starts yawning. Or in here, sometimes, you know, somebody decides to get up and go to the bathroom. For some reason, it triggers in our mind, like, I need to do that too. And we head off. Oh, don't do that, by the way. Okay, hang out. We'll, we'll be finished in just about 10, 15 minutes here. But the thing is, is that so often what happens is, is that you hang out with people whose basic, your associations are people who, who desire the spiritual junk food of the world. Guess what you're going to desire? The same stuff. Do you want to be more hungry for the things of God, which truly satisfies you in your life? Then get around people who are hungry for the things of God. Spiritual hunger is contagious, so get around people who have a hunger for the Lord, and you'll find that your spiritual hunger will begin to be met. That's one thing we need to do. Quit. Stop eating spiritual junk food. And finally this, let me share with this, the third point, and I'm going to hang out this the longest, is stop, start looking to Christ for satisfaction. And I want to talk about how we do that. Start looking to Christ for satisfaction. In John 8, 35, there's a couple of verses that talk about, there's a lot of, of, of food analogies in Scripture. But in John 8, 35, Jesus says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. If anyone eats of this bread talking about himself, he will live forever. You know, bread is a very basic essential of life. 
You can live on bread and water. In a famine, you know, where the, you know, if you have famines overseas, where do they fly in first? Bread and water. Usually flour and water. That's what they, they bring to the people first because it's an essential of life. Jesus is saying here, I'm the bread of life. I'm it. I'm the focus. I'm the, the way that's going to meet your, your deepest needs. What you really need is me. And I can meet your needs and you're looking, while you're looking for everything else, but I'm the bread of life. I'm the essential. I'm what you need. See, our culture says this, though. Our culture says that you find satisfaction in yourself or you find happiness within. That's the other extreme of finding happiness without. And, and let me ask you a question. This is kind of a stupid question. It's an obvious answer, by the way. But it, it's this. When you are physically hungry, hungry, do you tell your stomach, feed yourself? Does that work? Feed yourself. Does that work? No, you have to go to an outside source to get the food that you need to fulfill your need. And when there is a spiritual vacuum in your, li- vacuum in your life, you don't say to yourself, be your own God. See, that leaves, us, leaves you just as empty as before. You have to go into an outside source, and Jesus says, I'm the source. I'm the source of the bread of life. I'm that which is the essential that you need more than anything else. And secondly, he says in John, John 4, he says, whoever drinks water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. I will become in him a spring of living water. You see, water is even more essential than food. You can live without food for, um, for a long time. You can go several weeks with, with living without food. But you can only go about three days living without water. I can tell you from personal experience, you can live without food. I did fast for, for two weeks one time right before I came here to Great Oaks to determine what God's will was in my life. But let me tell you, I drank plenty of liquids, plenty of water, plenty of fluids. And the thing is, you need that in your life. And Jesus is saying to us again, he's using this analogy. He says, I'm the essential elements that you need to find satisfaction in life. Your water, your bread that you need in life. See, that's what it means to hunger and thirst for God. You know, these two verses together kind of give us three things. It says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty again. See, there's three words, come, believe, drink, that comes here. The point is that our appetites are not filled until you do something about it. You can be hungry, your stomach growling, but you'll stay hungry until you take action. So you've got to get up, you've got to get some food, you've got to put it in your mouth, you've got to swallow it. Jesus is saying here you've got to take action. Just like physical hunger, when you're hungry, you go and you eat food. But when you're spiritually hungry, you do three things. These three things, you come to Jesus. You find the source of that which will, get, will, will satisfy your hunger. You believe that it's going to satisfy your hunger, and you partake of that. You drink of it. You, you eat of it. Now, let me tell you this morning, this is, this is the point I want to wrap up before we have our communion this morning, Lord's Supper. Uh, some of us have never come to that point in life. Some of you have never taken these steps of coming to God and saying, you know, I, re- I believe. But see, you've believed about him. You may believe about him, about Christ, about Jesus Christ. But there's a difference between believing about God and believing in God. There's a huge difference. It's more than just head knowledge. 
And, and some of you have never done that. Something is missing in your life, and you may have success externally, but the issue is you keep saying to yourself, there's something more in life than, than just what I'm going through. There's not real peace and contentment there. The fact is, when you were born, going back to what we said a while ago, when you were born, God gave you a physical appetite to fulfill physical needs, but he also gave you a spiritual appetite to know him. You see, it's good to be hungry. It's, it's a natural thing that God wants us to have in our life. Hunger is a good part of it. It keeps you alive. But spiritually, the only thing that will really keep you, that will satisfy you, is a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of people try all kinds of things to find satisfaction. They try sex. They try money. They like to get their picture on the, on the cover of uh, People magazine. They want to have nice homes. They think having kids that have straight A's is going to make them happy. So they can be proud of them. They think being famous, being powerful, having all the pleasure, having a condo at the lake. None of those things in life produce happiness, ultimate satisfaction in life. Only The only thing that can fill the, a God-shaped void that God has placed in our life is God. So what do you do? It says here, going back to the verse we started with, it says, Happy are those who are hungry and thirsty for true goodness, for they will be truly satisfied or fully satisfied. Your hunger for happiness will never be met unless you say to Jesus Christ, Come into my life. I believe. I'm going to partake of you. I want you to be more than just something I believe about. I want to believe in you and make you the center focus of my life. Because he said, as you seek him, you find happiness and that satisfaction. He said, that's satisfaction guaranteed. Now, that's some of you. Others of you have already taken that initial step. You've come to Christ. You've believed in Christ. You're a Christian. My question for you today is this, though. How's your spiritual appetite? How's your spiritual appetite? Do you hunger for the things of God? Or is God just an appetizer? You show up on Sunday mornings at church, and that's a good enough for the week. And you still feel empty in life so often. Well, God says to us, you know, while we've accepted him, we have to have all of him in our life. Do we, do we, do we have hunger after him? Well, God, I want all of you. You see, the fact is, you're as close to God as you want to be. God's not moved anywhere. I mean, when people say to me, you know, I don't feel close to God, guess What? Who's got the problem? You or God? You're as close to God as you want to be if you hunger and thirst after Him. Blessed are those who who are hungry and thirsty to know Him, for they will be fully satisfied. You know, some of you will say, I used to have a hunger for God. I remember when I first became a Christian, I devoured the Bible. I read it and loved it. You couldn't keep me away from Christians. I wanted to be at church all the time. I had a hunger, but I don't have it anymore. Guess what a a loss of appetite would say to a doctor? Would he say you're well if you have a loss of appetite? He said, no, you're ill. You're sick. If you're in the hospital and you don't have an appetite, they'll say that's a symptom of a sickness in your life because appetite is something that you normally have when you're not sick. Some of you would say, I'm a Christian, but if I were honest, I just don't have that appetite for God like you're talking about. So what do I do? 
How do I deal with that? I'll tell you why. You don't have an appetite because you're, you're stuffing yourself with spiritual junk food. You've bought into the culture. You're doing the same thing everybody else is doing. And you're stuffing yourself with the things, the attitudes, and the events that don't last or satisfy. I believe some of you, me included sometimes, need to go on a media fast. I mean, how often do you, can you just get in the car and not turn off the radio or turn off the, your MP3 player or CD player, whatever it is, and just, and just kind of listen? How many of you can go home and not turn on the TV and just spend time trying to listen to God and, and what He has to say and seeking, back, seeking Him once again? You see, if you're filling yourself with all the world has to offer, the books, the videos, the movies, all the things, it's no wonder that you're filled you have no appetite for the things that really count in life because you don't have time for them. Because you're pigging out on junk food, spiritual junk food. I found it interesting, and I'm going to close with this and trans, trans, uh, transfer over to the Lord's Supper. I found it interesting, the word hungry there that's found in this verse, there's two, there's two Greek words for hungry. One of them means, I want a bite of something, just give me a piece of bread. That's one of the Greek words. The other Greek word, the other Greek word is this, I want the whole loaf. Guess which one Jesus uses here for those who hunger and thirst for him. It's the whole loaf. See, you will not be satisfied by just having Jesus as a bite, as an appetizer. There's a lot of Christians who have just enough of Jesus to be miserable because they're trying to straddle the fence, try to ride the fence, and because of that, they're not experiencing the blessings that God has to offer. The satisfaction that comes in knowing him fully in our lives. The person that says, I want all of you, God, I want all of you, Jesus, is the person who will be satisfied. And it only comes as we go back to the very first beatitude of the person who says, I can't do it myself. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The person who, who acts upon and uses God's resources, even when it's tough times, blessed are those who mourn. And then last week, as we talked about blessed are the meek, the person who has the attitude of, you know, God, because of what you've done in my life, I'm going to restrain myself. I'm going to be meek. I'm going to do the right things. And then the person who follows up by saying, I want to hunger, I hunger and thirst after you, God, all of you, not just a little bit of you. And that person will find the peace and the satisfaction that we're all seeking in life all the time. This morning, we're going to partake together of the Lord's Supper. Um, it's interesting that when we think about this, that the Lord's Supper was a very simple meal that Jesus uh, shared with his disciples. And, and as he shared with them, he said, you know, he used the illustration, once again, of the, of the, of the bread and the juice. He said, he said some things about it. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For wherever you eat and drink, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's three things I want you to think about this morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Number one, I want you to look within. The Bible says this about, about this. It says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord, without saying, I'm committed to you, God, 
eats and drinks judgment on himself, it means we, just, we don't take it seriously. We can't just want to bite. We've got to want the whole thing. So look within and ask yourself the question, this question. What do you see when you look within? Do you really hunger and thirst after God? Have you been filling your life up with spiritual junk food? Or maybe you're a person who's never even accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. And because of that, you've been seeking after all the ways that the world would have you to, to seek. And you're just not satisfied. Look within. Number two, look back. The Bible says here, he says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, for those of us who are believers in Christ, look back and we ask yourself the question, what are the God memories you have where God has stepped into your life and worked in your life in a remarkable way? Because he said this is a time, when we, this is a time of reflection to remember what God has done already in our lives and to thank him for it. Look within, look back. And number, number three, look ahead. Look ahead. It says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What are you looking forward to with God? What are you looking forward to with God? You know, if God is really central in your life, God is going to bless you in incredible ways. He's going to give you the satisfaction that you desire. Where are you with God? Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.